Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Schoenemann alongside Mac Daddy Pete Robertson. Hello, hello, all hello. Of your names, not just your new name. I know, that was exciting. That was cool. Yeah, I got Mac Daddy Pete Robertson Jr., Oh, I forgot the yeah, junior. Yeah. Should we do it over again? Yeah. Mac, Daddy, Pete, Robertson, Jr. No, we don't have Hello, to hello, over. hello. You know, I asked the question. <laughs> I asked somebody one time, I says, well, because when my dad passed away, does that still make me a junior? Yes. Yes. It doesn't change. And No. But what if I'm a senior to my my son? What if my son was Pete, Mac, Pete, Robertson? The third? Third, yeah. He would still be the third. It doesn't change. I know, but it's don't erase history just because they're not here anymore. Yeah, but you can just tear down the statue of your dad because but, uh, not now, anymore. but I now replace him as senior. No, I do because I'm the senior of the family. No, that's not what it means. Oh, no, you may be the patriarch now. I am the patriarch. See, well, there you go. Yeah, and with that hair, you should be the patriarch. <laughs> there it is. Got the hair reference in nice and early for all of our listeners. We have some exciting news. Yeah, it's Super Bowl week. Well, besides that, oh. I just launched another book. What? Yeah. So we're we have a book that's in you the bookstores. Yeah, that's what I read. <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke of the day. Do I read? Um, but yeah, no keys to being set free. So that, it's going to be in the Amazon bookstore. You can amazing. find it. Amazing. I saw the cover. It looks. That's a great. Cover. Yeah, you were. You helped that's to great. be a part of that. Well, that's cover. got nothing to do with that. I, I had nothing to do with it, but it looks really, really good. We, I like it. We sent the cover out to like I think it was like twenty people. And I sent out five of them at first and then everybody was given their opinion. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. so you're trying to figure out, okay, what's the th common thread in this opinion. And then we started breaking it down from that. And that's how we got to the cover. So I think you were a part of the last part. The cover's important. Yeah. It catches people's attention. It's yeah. like the title to our podcast. Yeah. You know, if we, if we put a bad title, yeah. we don't get quite as many listeners as when we have a good title. Very true. So, so it's uh, important. I think if we can make the title controversial, it'd be even better. Like what? Give me an example. What would be a controversial title? That Taylor Swift is the Antichrist. That, yep. That <laughs> might get people's attention. You heard it first on Righteous Invasion of Truth. From Pete's lips to God's ears. That's not true. But uh -oh. anyway, it's something like that. Something like that would get oh, people's now that'll attention. Be, that'll be what's tagged on Google now. Yeah. Like Riot Podcast says Taylor Swift right. is the Antichrist. Right. She might be, but I mean, who knows? I don't think so. It's true, though. I mean, we can't say certain words because we'll get flagged. <laughs> get banned. We've already, our YouTube channel has already been flagged to high heaven. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's sad. But anyway, so, but that is out. So keys to being set free. It's in the bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You guys can get that. And then ever you find your books, order it now. Hey, are you going to do an audio? Um, I don't know if I will or not. We'll see. Um, I'm going to redo what our, my first book, Conquer Through Surrender. I'm going to do an audio for that one, but I'm going to repurpose it, redo the cover, and uh, we're going to relaunch it with updated uh, information. I When yeah. when I listen, because I listen to a lot of audio books while I'm driving in right. the car, right. I always look for ones right. that are read by the author. Right. It's just better. Yeah, because they know the words, they know what they used. Yeah, they know the inf the inflection points. Is that right? Well, here's but let me just kind of share not with the keys to being set free as much, but with a new book that I'm writing called Shadows to Clarity. Um, I'm using Chat GTTP. Easy for you to say. Yeah, right. And um, so what I'm doing is I'm writing it. We don't. I don't. And unfortunately, the editors are not 
able, you know, we're losing editors now because of this new platform. But when I'm writing it, it's amazing because um, I'm giving all my thoughts, I'm putting the details and everything that I'm in, but I'm not thinking about the editing aspect of it now. So I'm not worried about my commas and my T's and I'm not looking at my certain words. Is it used right in context there? Do I need to shift it out? Do I need to change the words? That's never popped into my head. Where in my first book, my first two books, that was always in my head. Now with ChatGTP, I'm taking what I'm writing, I'm putting it into my Grammarly, I'm putting it into things and it just reshapes everything. So now it flows and it replaces the words that I use. But that here's the problem. If I don't reproof it slowly, sometimes it's using words that I would never use, right? Um, so what I have to do is I go back and I have to replace those words with a word that I would actually use. So person, perfect example. So if I started reading this book audio and I didn't replace it with the words that I use, it would come out a little bit weird and it'll be like, wait, uh, did Stumbling I say that? For your own yeah. words. Did yeah. I say that? It, that's not good. So that's kind of what that's. Kind of the whole point of that. But so, it's a great tool, yeah. great editing oh, tool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll do a whole. It'll get the theirs and theirs, you know, right and things like that. Oh, so. I'm, my grammar is horrible. <laughs> so I've always admitted this. So in the future, though, we're going to do a, we'll do a show just on AI and the good and the bad uh, from it and how God would want us to use it. I think, again, what is righteous invasion of truth about? We want to bring truth to every hot thing that's happening in the world. And so we'll talk about anything. It doesn't matter to us. So this is something that's really hot. So we're going to do, we'll do a show on this. And how would God want us to utilize uh, this new AI and this new world that we're coming into? It's really changing us and transforming us um, right before our eyes. So it's scary, actually. So I think we'll talk about that. Once we dig deep, we'll start realizing it is a little sc more scarier than you think um, of what can come from this. So we need to pray and seek the Lord. Right. All right. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. What? Let's do predictions. All right. So we have it. We'll have it on tape, and we can't, you know, kind of back away from right. it. I, you know, I kind of, I, I'm going to take. I think I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I know. I don't. And know I'm why. trying to work thirteen. Is it because you like I'm trying to work thirteen into it uh, somehow? Did you see that video? But I don't know. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do <laughs> that. That was so funny. Bob, <laughs> yeah, anybody, that was hilarious. Anybody that's listening, Bob did a funny post on Facebook a while back about Taylor Swift and. Uh, it was just a funny jest and, and man, everybody jumped on that because this big, you know, <laughs> hype over Taylor Swift and Kansas City Chiefs and it was hilarious and it was funny. And so we've been just, you know, doing this funny Taylor Swift things for, for some time, but is that why you're going with them? Cause you like Taylor Swift? Is that it? Is that your, how you're connected? No. How are you connected? No, I don't dislike Taylor Swift. In oh. fact, well, we talked about this a couple of shows yeah. ago. I think her first couple of albums, I really, sure. I enjoyed them. I would, I knew about Taylor Swift before my wife did. I actually sent her i'm like you need to listen to this this wow. is her first album wow. when it first came out i was impressed yeah your wife um, knows everything about music so yeah, funny. yeah yeah well any song that's in the 90s she, she knows, knows every word yeah Crazy. <laughs> don't ever play music trivia with my wife no, she always wins. she will crush you we did one time and i was i was awakening song pop you ever play song pop that's what we did oh, yeah. you will get crushed yeah, yeah that's that that was what awakened me to her skill <laughs> She will crush you at it. So no, I mean I wouldn't. I'm not a fan. Um, Why do you like Kansas City? No, I don't know. I, I I just think that they're. I think they're going to win. I don't know that I like them. Actually, I really like San Francisco's quarterback. I, I love how out, outspoken he is about his faith and all he's that. Pretty, so, is pretty outspoken about his faith. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's been very outspoken about he his did? faith. Yeah, so it's been very, you know. So Why I didn't. I know that. I like that, but I don't. Something tells me Kansas City's going to win by 13 points. I don't know. 
20, uh, that, 20, would that 20, be like seven, staged? 27, 14. Is that how, is that everything rigged? Like everybody's 30, saying 30 to 17. That's the, that's the final 30 to 17. I, there's my, my guess. I got a feeling that Kansas with Patrick Mahomes, anything's possible. That guy is so good. Yep. And um, he just, I'm a believer. And Kelsey's going to get two touchdowns. Right. I, I, I think that's going to happen too. So. Or, or he's going to get, uh, Two touchdowns. And then they're going to miss the extra they're going point. They're going to miss the ones. extra point. Oh, 13. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'm, so you're from East Coast. I'm from West Coast. Yeah. So I have a West Coast bias. So Kansas City's right smack in it the It doesn't matter. They still lean East. <laughs> they're about as middle as you can get. But they still lean a little bit East because they're on the right side of Kansas City, uh, not on the left. Oh, well, that's true. They yeah. are East of the center point. The center it. point is in Kansas. Yep. So that's true. So with that said... <laughs> I'm a West Coast bias. And when I was a kid, I was a huge 49er fan. Really? You know? Oh, yeah. Back Even in, in L.A., you were a 49ers fan? And I think everybody in L.A. was because we were all rooting for the Bill Walsh, for the Joe Montanas. L.A. didn't have a team for a long time. I forget about it. Well, we had the Rams um, and Raiders came later. So the Raiders came too when they had Jay Schrader and oh, Bo Jackson. Right. And they went them. back up north to Oakland. Yeah, and then they went back. But anyway, that's it was just there in that time. So I'm just West Coast. So I went to 49ers. I didn't know Purdy, though was pretty was uh was a christian i had no idea were you you weren't a chargers fan um yeah i was a charger fan but i was more a chargers fan because i love the color of their uniform i like that powder baby blue me man. too i love it it's awesome that's they're awesome. afc versus nfc yeah okay i can kind of see that yeah so that's kind of why jerry you had jerry rice and joe montana yeah. the i mean the dynasty te- yep. years there yeah they were amazing they were and so good amazing riding a lot all of them yeah yeah, yeah. It was funny. Anyway. So, so anyway, what's your pick? Um, I 49ers. I don't have a score. I don't know. I But my gut says Kansas City will win because I just, I, again, Patrick Mahomes is incredible. But to see the 49ers come back against Detroit, because Detroit was manhandling them for three quarters. And I, I think that's why I'm leaning towards Kansas City because I, I watched that game yeah. and 49ers looked awful. At first. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got it together. Yeah. And, and so... Or, or, or uh, did Detroit just cave? Both. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I'm hoping but I'm hoping the same thing. But Kansas City's had a had a streak where there was three or four games that looked awful. And so both sides can have that. So I don't know. So but I'm just hoping the 49ers just because 49ers are favored. Not by two, I think. Yeah, it's close. 2. And yeah. it's pretty much stayed there too. So yeah. all right. Well, let's get on with our show. It's a good show. Can't wait. We're gonna title it from Abram to Abraham. A new name, a new destiny. We're gonna get into Genesis 17. Um, but yeah, how do we transition from Super Bowl to a new name? We should probably pray. Yeah, we should. But I mean, how do we do that? How do we transition from a 49ers to Kansas um, City to a new name? Do you have to change the name of the 49ers? No, Kansas name. City. They did change their name. They did? Yeah, they're the Kansas City Swifties. Oh, they're the Swifties they're now. The Swifties the now. Chiefs. The Chiefs. That's well, how we're going to introduce Because this. it's you know, Native American and... You they can't, can't be can't. thieves. You have yeah, to be so Swifties. It's now, yeah. So instead of doing the tomahawk chop, yeah, uh, and they're announcing uh, that they're on gonna, the Super they're Bowl, they're going to go yeah. take it off, take it off. off. They're going to do that instead. So that's it, the new the Kansas City Swifties. Swifties, and they announced yeah. that on Super Bowl. So you heard it here first. You heard it here first as we go into prayer. The <laughs> Kansas City Swifties. None of that was true, folks. Oh my none, God! None of that is true. We can't lead that on. We have to tell the truth. <laughs> Riot, riot. Do I need to remind you of our name, Pete? Lord, help us. 
Speaking of that, Lord, we uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to do this podcast. We thank you for our listeners. Lord, we ask you to just uh, bless our time together today that everything we do say uh, is truthful. Lord, thanks so that we can have some fun. We, we know that uh, you have a sense of humor. I've seen the platypus. We know that uh, you have an amazing sense of humor. So, Father, we just give you this show now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're kind of funny sometimes. I was just thinking there's a show we did a while back on Sarah, and that was a hilarious show. So if you guys haven't heard that, go back to listen to that. But it was funny? Yeah, it was a very funny show. All right, let's get going. All right. He gave us the title already, so I'm going to move on to the opening statement. Do it. In the stillness of the world, waking to the divine, a call reverberates through the annals of human history. Now, you can tell I didn't write that. No, this was... <laughs> so this was... The opening here was ran through. So I wrote this and it was ran through the chat GGP for grammar and for other reasons. I think that is the first time I've ever used the word annals of human history. It's pretty cool though. Yeah. yeah. It works. I mean, I know what it means. Well, that word is not a word that I say a lot. But that word, a call reverberates reverberates. through the the annals of human history. Probably used reverberate. That's a cool word. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway. Yeah. A voice that transforms sand into sanctity and a man into the father of nations. Of course, we're talking about Abraham. Yep. Genesis 17 unfolds not merely as text on parchment, but as a divine choreography of identity, destiny, intertwined. Mm. Here we stand at a pivotal moment where Abram, which means exalted father, encounters the depths of the, almal- the Almighty's vision for him, merging reborn as Abraham, which translates father of a multitude. Oh. As the morning dawns upon the covenant, newly etched upon his life and flesh, we witness the birthing of a promise, promise that sculpts the very heart of what will become the people that apart. You know who that is? Yep. Who's that? Gentiles. No. Oh. Who? Israel. Oh, Bob knows his Bible. The passage beckons us to explore the profound. Hold on. Let's just go back. I did this to you earlier today and and, and you corrected me. And so I did it again just now and you were correcting me. Bob, I'm telling you guys, is a smart cookie, man. He knows his Bible. All right. Thank you for the compliment. It's the truth. But this show is not about me. I know it's not. All right. This passage beckons us to explore the profound metamorphosis. That's like a butterfly, right? I love that Of character and the irrevocable altering of destiny set forth by the words spoken by... That was most the one of the most elegant openings we've had. I think so. It was very, that was beautiful. It was very I good. Wish I could take credit for that. It was very that good. That was really cool. Yeah. In today's show, not the Today Show, but our show. Yes. The Today Show, we discover four new names that have never been used before up until this point. <laughs> These names will always be old because they cannot ever be changed. Genesis 17, verses 1 through 2, or 1 and 2, we learn about the name God Almighty. In Genesis 17, 3 through 14, we learn about Abraham. In verses 15 through 17, we'll talk about Sarah. And in 18 through 22, we will learn about Esau. I mean, Isaac. Yeah. I was going to correct you there. I knew it. That's why I did that. Okay. The question we will unpack today is what is in a name? Yeah. You know what? Everything. Everything. Our names are very, very important to us. And the name that God gives us is the most important of all. Pete, I can't wait to hear what God's name is for me. I mean, my, my mom named me, you know, junior Robert Yeah, junior. It's like, it's like God, when he gives us a calling in our life, it's that we then become that calling, right? It's when we are obedient to God, that's where we're transformed. And so it's, you become the calling. So 
whatever name best fits that calling. So like with Peter, you know, did you see the chosen, the first three yet or whatever? So oh, season four, no, uh, not yet. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, we so, could have talked about that. So Next show. Yeah. So one of the things that it talked when at the very end, it was, it was when, you know, Jesus changed from Simon to Peter, right? It's, it's at that moment, God was saying, here's your calling, Simon. You are now the rock. I'm going to build upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. Spoiler alert. I just said, I haven't seen it yet. That's not a spoiler. Have you read the Bible? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so, but, but, but my, back to the name. So here's Abram being called by God to what his calling is. And that is now he's going to become the father of many nations. So that's where he becomes the Abraham. So anyway, so we're going to talk about it. So it's a big deal. So in the physical realm, we look at it and we're like, oh, how does that relate to me? But in the spiritual realm, it should relate big to you. And so you should ask yourself, what is the calling? What are you being, what is the, what are you being fulfilled by God to do? Right. And it's whatever that is, that name, that resonates with that. So look at your calling, look at that and say, okay, what name would I associate with? I don't know. It's bigly. Did you say bigly? I once before, but we get that from <laughs> Trump because Trump taught us the word bigly, right? All right. Let's read verses one through two. This is going to be a fun show. All right. When Abraham was 99 years old. Wow. Pete, you think you'll make it to 99? No, no. <laughs> I pray not. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. That's almost like bigly. Yeah, bigly. Multiplied bigly. Let me just give a context real quick. So we talked about in previous shows about Abraham, we went into detail about him being as good as dead. We learned that in um, the New Testament, Hebrews or somewhere. No, Romans. Romans talks about that. That word good as dead means he was impotent. So he he was impotent and that it means that uh, Sarah was way past, uh, she's already been through menopause, way past childbearing stage. So God waited until it was utterly impossible before that he could have a kid. So here he is at 99 years. It's utterly impossible. It has to be an act of God. So God would be glorified. And so that kind of gives that content. All right. Excellent. All right. Let's statement one. The Hebrew name for God Almighty is El Shaddai. That reminds me of Amy Grant. I don't know why. Well, that's one of her biggest hits. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why. El is God and Shaddai is Almighty. El Shaddai. This is the first time this name occurs in the Bible. We find the the name El Shaddai 48 times in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, the Greek equivalent is used in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and Revelation 1, 8, 4, 8, and 11, 17, and a few other places in Revelation. Yeah. Everywhere the word is translated almighty except one place, Revelation 19, 6. It is translated as omnipotent. Yep. Is there a reason why this was changed? Yeah, so when you... Uh, have, if anybody haven't hasn't done this, you should do this. You should do word searches in, in the Bible. I love doing it's this. fun. I love it. And so it, it, it just brings up all the times in the Bible that's used. And then you start reading the context and it helps. And then I always, part of our exegesis strategy is that we go back to where the, the name first appeared. And so here's the name where the name first appeared. So now we build on that to give context to what it's actually saying. 
Okay. So we take this, this, this place, and then we fast forward it to Revelations 19, six. So we go from the very beginning, the first time to the last time, which is in Revelations 19, six. And we try to give context. And why did it change? Why is that the one time that it changed? And the, the, to tell you the truth, we have no idea why, right? We're not as sure, exactly sure. So everything that we're not exactly sure, but, but there, this is what we can gather from that. We know that L is the name of God that speaks of power. We know that. We can see that in context. And omnipotent is a Latin word for all powerful. So you see where it associates together? So it's just maybe a different word or we're giving it a, a different name, but having unlimited power and authority. So that's omnipotent. So all powerful, having an unlimited net power and authority. For as for El Shaddai or Shaddai, Many scholars have asked, what does that mean? Many disagree that the consensus says it comes from a Hebrew word, meaning to be strong. Others says it means mountain. So if we combine the two, we might say El Shaddai means the all-powerful and the all-sufficient God who can do anything and meet any need. That's kind of what they come to. That's kind of the thing. So it's all-powerful, it's it's mountain, so it's strong, it's big, it's massive, you know, and, and so that kind of associates the same word as an omnipotent, right? So it's, it, you can see how they correlate. So there's your answer. We have no idea, but there, we did our best. So why do you think after being silent for 13 years, God comes to Abraham and reveals his name at that time? Well, again, it goes back to what I just stated. It's a great question. We have covered this a little in the previous shows, but the bottom line is God is saying he is about to do something impossible. And, and when things are impossible, there's only one answer. There has to be a miracle. And the only thing here is the almighty God can do it. And so that's what took place. It's He was basically coming. He gives them El Shaddai. Almighty God is here. Almighty God is going to do the impossible. There's no hope for you. So talk about uh, a lifeguard training waiting for, oh, there's a, <laughs> I was there. Let me just explain this. So in, um, I, I made a side note and that's what I was just reading. So everybody listening. So here's, there was a, um, a story about a lifeguard and um, he, uh, they were at the training center and they were learning how to rescue people that were drowning. Um, this is out in Southern California. And um, one of the part of the training is they wait, they go out to the water, but they wait till the person is drowning literally where they have no more strength. They have no more ability to help save them. And then once they start going down, they realize then they go in to sweep in, they grab them, and then they bring them back. Because if they didn't do that, they'll drown them as well. And so they train them for that. And and I that's a lot of times the way that God works with us. And so we might be wrestling against God. We might be fighting him. Lord, why are you doing this? What's happening? What's going on? And all this stuff. And we can stay in that mentality for a long period of time. But it's until we finally come to the thing where we say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Hmm. I'm done. I'm completely surrendered. And I think that that's what God waited, why God waited 13. Because Sarah was still trying to figure out how to make it. They gave him Hagar. She was still trying to figure it out. But I think with us, what God is telling you, what God is saying to you is, if you're fighting him, he can't do his work in you. You got to let it go. And whatever you're wrestling with right now, you got to let it go. And you just got to tell him, Lord, I can't deal with this anymore. 
I don't know the answer. I don't know how to figure it out. Lord, I just surrender to you. I will be still in your presence. I will worship you. I will come to you. And that is when God can rescue. That is when the Almighty can do the impossible in your life. That's what I got from it. When there's no other way but God. Yep. Something to notice here is God tells Abraham to walk before God and be blameless. We know with Enoch and Noah in Genesis 5 and in in Genesis 6, 8 through 9, that they walk with God, but Abraham, he walked before God. Why the difference? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, and I, did a, I, I didn't write it here. I did a research on this. Um, there's walk with God, walk behind, behind, a God walks behind and God walks before. And there's a whole kind of, you know, reasons behind that. But here's, let me just answer these two questions here. Um, to walk with God is a level of intimacy. We kind of get that. We're, when we're walking, you know, um, one of the things that God showed me when I was a young kid, I was in fearful and whatever. He says, go to sleep, Petey, go to sleep for I am with you. So God was with me. And that was, it was an enduring, it was intimacy. It was like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm here. So there's a, there's that kind of thing. And Abram, it appears that God is saying, Abram, Abraham, you live in the knowledge of my covenant. So the covenant that I gave you was, um, I'm going to bless the nation, right? So you live in the covenant I give you with you and know that the eyes of God will always be upon you. It's like God telling Abraham, I got your six. But I think the key verse here is that he is to walk blameless and God will be watching for him to do so. That word means perfect, but it does not mean sinless for that would be an impossible goal for anyone. But when you break down that word, the context is God is telling Abraham to be single hearted without blame, sincere, and wholly devoted to God. It's a call to integrity. Mm. And so that's kind of what's being said there. So when he says, I'm going before you, it's it's almost like, hey, I'm carving out the way. I know that the prophecy is going to be fulfilled. You can't see it, but know that I'm going to take care of it. I'm going before you. I'm going to walk there. He goes, but I'm calling you to be blameless now. I'm calling you to be holy. Let You need to trust me but I'm calling you to be a man of integrity, to be without blame, to be sincere and wholly devoted to me. So, and I, and I think it's, you know, God's got our six, but he's telling us the same thing. Really good. Yeah. I love that. A little military term there. He's yeah. like, got your back. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's now unpack God changing Abram's name to Abraham and read verses three through 14 and 23 through 37 or what? through 27. We're still in Genesis 17, verse 3. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. How long? Everlasting. That's a long time. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. Let's just break that down real quick, because I don't talk about it in our notes. So everlasting covenant, what it's saying? It's it's saying that one day, every knee will bow, every tongue before the last, right? So every person that confesses that Jesus is Lord has what? Eternal life. That starts here. And so that covenant does not ever end. It's everlasting. Everlasting. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. All the way back in the first book of the Bible. Yep. <laughs> All right. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your... your oh, here we go again. 
Sojournings. Is that right? Sojournings. I don't know why I can't say that. Sojourner. Yeah, yeah. There we go. All the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between you and me. That's talking about the PP. So if anybody's asking, no, nobody was asking. PP. Well, some people might. You know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying it. <laughs> so now we're gonna do twenty three uh, to twenty seven. Oh, skip ahead. Yeah. Um, bu- 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 twenty three. You scroll. Turn the page here. Verse twenty three says, "When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham." Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to do. Um, keep reading. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. 99 years old. Aren't you glad? At that? I wonder what I'm the, like, I'm like eight days is a better, is a better. Uh, what was the anesthetics <laughs> back then? You know, how did they numb that? Pain? Um, they yeah. chewed on a stick, I think. Yeah, that's what I see on yeah, TV. Yeah, just bit a stick. I can't imagine, but I hate pain. Abraham was 99 years old, but when he was circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son, Ishmael, were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with with him. And there seemed to be a lot of redundancy there. Yes. They're trying to make a point. (laughs) They were circumcised. All right. We know that Abram means exalted father, and Abraham means father of multitude. When Abraham informed the people in his camp that he had a new name, some of them must have smiled and laughed and said, sure, Mac Daddy, father of the multitude. How could this be? Remember, he's 99 years old. Right. You are both barren and are too old to have children. I would would probably, if you came to me at 99 years old, I, I would, yeah. We would have that conversation. You would laugh at me. Yeah, I mean, it's like we know friends <laughs> that are in their late seventies, right? We know friends like that, right? And we would think like, "What, really? How's this be possible?" Anyway, I can understand that, but sometimes God gives us promises that just don't make any sense um, to us or the people around us. And I know that He's done that. And, and in my own life, when when that's happened, <clears throat> that happened with my wife and I at one point, and and. We, I, I told her, and she's like, what did he say? And it didn't make any sense because God just wanted me to fully surrender everything to him. And, and he didn't want me to do anything else. And so I shared that with her and it just didn't make sense, but he knew. Um, but, you know, what God was telling Abraham, she says, you need to stay the course and trust me, right? He's, he was telling me at the time, listen, trust me, just glorify me, worship me. I got your back. I'm going to take care of you. And so he's telling the same thing to Abraham. He's reminding him. I said, he's telling them he will be the almighty God in our lives and, and, and make a way to bring all things together for good. He, God was reminding him that I am almighty God. You have to, you know, Abraham, you know, that word almighty, you know what it means? That's it's, I am going to do the impossible. So we know that Abraham and Sarah tried their own path and it failed miserably. We know that. But in John 15, five, it says, without me, you can do nothing. And so I think by Abram having that relationship with God and, and talking with him, I think in his heart, he just knew. <clears throat> you know, John, when he penned that, he knew. He knew that 
when, when he was trying to do things on his own, it just didn't work out. But when he put his heart and his faith and his trust in God, he, he was able to do everything that God desired. But apart from him, he had nothing. You know, there's an author named, by the name of uh, Vance Havner, and he once said, he goes, we say that we depend on the Holy Spirit, but actually we are so wired up with our own devices that if the fire does not fall from heaven, we can turn on a switch and produce false fire on our own. Mm. And when I read that, I just like, that did exactly what you did. It was like, okay, I, that's true. And, and, and it's sometimes hard to be still. It's sometimes to let God manifest himself in his time. It took him 13 years. You know, it's, it's hard to do that. It's, it, God doesn't make sense, but you know what? You keep staying the course. You don't give up. And along the way, along the journey, like God did with Abraham, God will remind him his fact to you. He'll, as you're pressing into him, as you're, as you're realizing that I can't do anything apart from him anyway, so I might as well continue to press in. God will reveal that truth to you over and over and over again. And he'll bring comfort. He'll bring peace to your life. Don't give up. Don't try to do it on your own like Abraham and Sarah taught us. Don't do that. It just, it will cause nothing but issues, Right. And so the reminder here is for us to continue on. So Abraham, Sarah proved that. And sometimes God will have to wait until we're as good as dead before he does anything. And that's that. maybe that's the case with us, maybe not. But I think the lesson here is don't give up, stay the course, continue to press into the Lord, continue to walk blameless and holy before him. But more than anything else, allow God to have his way. If he's ministering to you, if he's telling him, let him be God, trust him. Trust him with everything. Everything's going to be okay. There's that key word again, trust. Yep. If God makes a promise, he's going to fulfill the That's promise. It. Yeah. That's what is it? What is it? That he, he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So if he's began a good work in you and he's called you, he's given you a new name, he will complete it. Amen. With the name change came an everlasting covenant that included an everlasting possession, the land of Canaan. It was in this land that the fulfillment of this everlasting covenant was fulfilled in Jesus's resurrection from the grave. Yeah, it's it's I'm in the in my book Shadows to Conspiracy that it's not out yet that we're going to be talking about. That's Shadows Conspiracy. Yeah, Shadows to from Shadows to Clarity. <laughs> that's that's the next book after that. Deeper, so Lord help us. Um, I'm going to really go into detail about this covenant and about the why God chose Israel as the place for this to happen. Um, but in Galatians 3.29, Paul the Apostle interprets this promise as an extending beyond the biological descendants of Abraham to all believers in Christ, saying, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that's that covenant. So thus, the Christian view typically holds that when Jesus rose from the dead, he opened the way for people of all nations to come into the family and God through faith, thereby fulfilling God's promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations spiritually. Key word, spiritually. This idea is further supported by the events described in the book of Acts. When the early Christian church began to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ beyond the Jewish community to the Jew Gentiles, non-Jews, effectively making Abraham the spiritual father of a multitude of believers from diverse backgrounds. Hmm. So here is God way back when giving Abraham this promise. Fast forward 
that thread that walks all the way through the Bible, boom, now it's being fulfilled. We're living in the book of Acts today. It's still being written. Until God comes back again, the book, the church age is still happening. People from all nations, all around the world can give their life to the Lord and be a part of this covenant, this everlasting covenant. Pretty cool, huh? Wow. Yeah. And we're reading it right here in Genesis. Amazing book. If you didn't read the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, you never see that. You only got the New Testament. Man, this now makes it so much better. It brings the completeness of the word of God, doesn't it? Yes, I love the book of Genesis. All right, Genesis 17, 4 says, or God says, as for me, but in verse 9, uh, he says, as for you. Abraham's part in the covenant was to obey God and mark each male in his house with a sign of that covenant. Circumcision was not a new rite, for other nations practiced it in Abraham's time, but God now gave it new importance and a special meaning. For the descendants of Abraham, circumcision was not an option. It was an obligation. Yeah, many people, a lot of times people think, oh, that was new to the Israelites. It wasn't. So when I when I w- really researched this or went into that, there was a lot of, that was just common thing. It was like a health thing, right? So people would circumcise and, and so forth. And God knew that that was health. But here, there's a different meaning behind this. And so it's important to note that circumcision was not a sacrament or a religious ritual. The performing of it did not convey spiritual blessing to the recipient. An eight-day-old baby boy in Leviticus 12.3 would not even understand what was going on. And when he got older, the ritual would have to be explained to him. It was the obedience of the parents that was important. Or if they did not obey God in this matter, their son would be cut off, as it says in verse 14, from the people. The covenant people must bear the mark of the covenant. So again, it's all about obedience. I mean, Abraham, when God called Abraham, he called him by faith. He didn't call him because of the circumcision. Hmm. That came after. He didn't call, he didn't have Jesus to bear the, his sins and, and forgive him of his sins. He he was called by faith. And he's telling the Israelites the same thing. I am calling you by faith. You believe in me. You trust my word. And I'm going to give you a mark. And that covenant is, is, is you be obedient to and is the mark of the covenant. So every time that that takes place, every time that you do that, you remember that I given you an everlasting covenant. Hmm. This is why you're doing that. So it's it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of faith, and it's a matter of the heart. And it's the same thing that God does in everything. So we have rituals today, right? Why do we pray? Why do we do this worship? Why do we do certain things and so forth? Again, God is not saying, hey, do that as a ritual because it makes you good, not because it makes you holy. It makes you saved. We don't do any of that for that reason. We do it out of obedience. We do it out of a a broken and contrite spirit. We do it out of a relationship so that there's a communion between us and God, so that there's a connection between us and God. But we can't come to the throne of God with a haughty, prideful spirit. We have to come in brokenness. We have to come in humility. And that's what he's asking them to do with this covenant. I want you to do this, Mark, but when you have a son one day, you're going to do that out of obedience, out of an act of worship for my glory. And you're going to remember my covenant that I had with you. That's it. You see that? Yeah. All come in full circle? Yep. All right. We must remember it was God who chose the Jews, not the Jews that chose God. And he chose them to be a holy people. Immorality was rampant among the Canaanite people, and it was even a part of their religion. But the people of Israel were marked. 
to be separate from evil around them, from the evil around them. Again, a part of that covenant was what did what did he call Abram to be? Blameless, holy, set apart, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's what's happening. So when God is that's a part of that covenant, a part of that calling that he gave him for these many nations, he's calling us. Remember what first Peter said? Let's fast forward. First Peter 3:16. Be holy, for I am holy. God tells Peter, be holy for I am holy. That all goes back to this covenant. That all goes back. It stands here. It started here. He's calling Abraham. He's calling the Israelites. He's calling the people. I'm going to bring an everlasting covenant with you, everlasting life. And through you, all nations will have a relationship with me, have an opportunity to have fellowship and intimacy with me. But you're going to call, your calling is to be holy. So unfortunately, history tells us that the Israel people made this ritual and means of salvation. Circumcision was a guarantee that you were was a guarantee that you were accepted by God. Some people today place the same false confidence in baptism, communion, and other religious rites that can be very meaningful if rightly used. The Jews did not realize that circumcision stood for so much something much deeper, the person the person relationship to God. God wants us to circumcise our hearts and be totally devoted to him in love and obedience. Romans 4, 19, 9 and 12 makes it clear that the physical operation had nothing to do with Abraham's eternal salvation. Abram had believed God and received God's righteousness before he ever was circumcised. Circumcision was not the means of his salvation, but the mark of his separation as a man in covenant relationship with God. When we are baptized, we are identifying ourselves. Listen, Satan hates the baptism. He hates it. So because what we are saying is, I am identifying, I am circumcising my life now and dedicating it for God, for the purposes of God. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. We are not saved because of baptism, but we're, but we're identifying that. So Satan hates that. He hates it when we do the covenant. Of, of of communion. He hates that because we're recognizing that we are believing that what Jesus did on the cross, we're remembering that shed blood. We're remembering that and that he rose from the grave. And it's because of that, the mm -hmm. covenant has been fulfilled and now we can have eternal life forever. It helps us remember the covenant. Yeah. But we don't do it to, to be saved or religious. Oh, I've given, I've done communion every single week. Have you? Why are you only doing it once a month at your church? Why don't you do it every day? What's going on with that? Why are you guys baptizing like this constantly? Why are you doing that? You should, you know, that's not right. And again, what God is saying is that he's not, he doesn't care less about the ritual. Where is your heart? Why are you doing it? And you're doing it because you want to be obedient to the, to the call of God in your life. There's that word again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh. It's like, it's, it's for us. It's to remind us. Yep. God doesn't need it. Yep. That, that's yep. awesome. All right. What does all this mean to Christian believers today? The seal of our salvation is not an external right, but the presence of an internal internal witness in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. We experience spiritual circumcision, sort of, uh, so sort to of speak, that makes us part of the true circumcision. Yeah, so we don't have to be circumcised today to be to, to be a part. That's we're we're not a part of that covenant, right? So if like if people are asking, well, does I kid have to be you know circumcised? I believe that your boy should because it's cleaner. And, 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 you know, history shows that and, and everything just shows that. So, I mean, God knew something, right? So might as well do it, but it doesn't, it's, we're not a part of that covenant. The covenant was for the Israelite people. Our covenant is the grace covenant that Jesus brought. It's completely different. So it covers all of that, but yes, 
um, it, the true circumcision, talking about the spiritual. When we first put our trust in Christ to save us, the Spirit of God performed spiritual surgery that enabled us to have victory over the desires of the old nature and the old life. So before God, we weren't aware of our stupidity as much, right? We might as well, oh, I shouldn't have done that, whatever. But when Jesus comes to live inside of you, the Holy Spirit reminds you immediately that, hey, that is not the very best thing. That's going to lead you astray. That's going to, um, you know, hurt you ultimately, right? And and you start being convicted of these things that you once used to do, where before you were never convicted. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. The condemnation comes because we are choosing to be separated from God. We're condemning ourselves. God's not condemning us. He's trying to save us. But so that's what's happening. So circumcision removes only a part of the body, but the true spiritual circumcision puts off the body of the sins of the flesh. Colossians 2.11 says that, and deals radically with the sin nature. So we then start becoming transformed over time by the renewing of our mind, as it says in Romans 12. We, we become old. Our old self passes away. Behold, we become new. So things start changing within us. Our mind starts changing. Our ideas start changing. Our focus starts changing. We become more and more like Christ. And in our life and our characters change, our personality, our, our mind, the way that we think, the desires of our hearts, what we want, what we, when we're associated with Christ, Christ radically changes you. You know, and when I always tell people, if you ever been, if you truly ever been in the presence of God and not been changed, you've never been in the presence of God. Hmm. Because you can't be in his presence and not be fully changed. And if you're giving your life to the Lord and surrender to him, I guarantee you, you're different. You're different. You don't think the same. You don't listen to the same music. You don't act the same. And if you're still doing that and living like the world, then I would say, are you truly saved? Are you truly surrendered to God? And, and you would have to come to terms with that. That's between you and a God. But I know that when you're in the presence of God, you're not the same. That circumcision of the heart has completely taken place and you are a new creation and you have new thoughts, new ideas, new ways, and new fellowship with the Father. You yeah. never had. Yeah, we see that over and over and over again in the Word. Anytime somebody comes into contact with the presence of God, they're, they're changed. 100%. They're always changed. Yep. You know, I heard something, a little quick side note. I heard something yesterday um, talking about, we were talking about the Holy Spirit here. And, you know, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to reside in you, right? Hmm. What I heard it was different. I, and I'm like, oh, that's that's so good. It, they said, you don't get a baby version of the Holy Spirit. Not like the Holy Spirit's now got a, you know, you're a baby Christian. The Holy Spirit's not baby. It's 100% God, 100%. It's the Holy Spirit. You have all the power. Yeah. So I, I just heard it. I'm like, never heard it put that way yeah, before. I'm like, that's powerful. Yeah. That's really good. It is. All right, let's move on to Sarah. All right. All right. In verses 15 through 17 of Genesis 17, it says this. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall call her name, you shall call her name Sarai, but not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Again, changed her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man? who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, oh wait, that's it. That was just well, 317. Let, let Sorry me about explain. That. So that context of that laughter 
is is when Sarah laughed, it was in sarcasm. When Abraham laughed, it was of joy. So the the context there was Abraham was laughing with joy that God's going to do this. Mm. It was excitement. He believed God. He was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh my Lord. So there was a difference. When Sarah laughed, it was out of sarcasm. Doubt. There was a little bit different, right? All right. Our third new name was Sarah, which means princess. Okay. Again, when God calls you, he's calling you by a different name. There's something that's changing in you. You have a purpose, right? So we're not certain what Sarai meant, uh, her old name. Some say to mock or to be contentious. We do know that her new name was fitting because she became the mother of kings. It was only right for her to be called a princess. All right, that was your right. statement. You're good. So we must, we must not minimize the peace of Sarah and God's grand plan of salvation. Like her husband and all of us, she had her faults. But also like her husband, she trusted God and accomplished his purposes. We know this because she is in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, 11. I mean, that's kind of a tall tale sign, right? Right. She is not only the mother of the Jewish nation, but also a good example for Christian wives to follow. The Christian husband should treat his wife like a princess Amen. because that is what she is in the Lord. What a great reminder. Yeah. All right. Motherhood should also be highly esteemed and the birth of a baby welcomed with joy. While God does not call all women to marry or all women to bear children, he does have a special concern for both mothers and children. We see this in Psalm 113, 9, 127, 3 through 5. I love that verse. And Matthew 19, 14. 127, 3 is basically children are a blessing from the yep. Lord, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a good verse. Yep. So, I mean, so if you're, let me just clarify that. So if you, God sometimes causes us to be single, right? There's men that are single, women that are single, they're not going to have sexual relations. They're not going to have kids. And that's just what God has called you. And that's, that's the way it is. But sometimes God has called you to be married. And I'm, and I'm in context. If you look at the Bible in context, if you're called to be married, the Bible is very clear telling you to go and multiply. He wants you to multiply so that the word of God can spread throughout the whole world. Right. And so he's using your children to multiply. That's why it says, raise your children in the ways of the Lord. That's why the, all these Bible verses are, are about that in context. But in a selfish society, too many people see motherhood as a barrier and a children as a burden. In fact, some people consider children such a burden that they destroy them before they have an opportunity to become a blessing. The womb of the mother is a holy of holies where God is at work, it says in one, Psalms 139, 13 through 18. So how tragic that we turn that womb into a tomb, that the holies into the holocaust. And so it's, you know, I, without saying the word, because we get flagged, we're saying the word and everybody knows what the word that we're talking about. And, um, and I think that, you know, God wants us to, we're not to, listen, we're not to worry about the, the chaos that's happening in the world. That's not our responsibility. We're not to worry. Oh my gosh, I don't want to raise my kids in this. And I don't want to do that. God is telling us to raise. You don't know that you might raise the next Billy Graham. You might raise up the next you know, evangelists or someone that inspired. you have no idea. So you have kids and then you raise them in the ways of the Lord. You, you pour into them the truths that God has given you. You don't worry about that and let God deal with that. God's the protector of our life. God's the provision of our life. God's the one that's going to take your child to the next. And if, if abandoning your child 
uh, is that Psalms 139 is saying that's the Holy of Holies. And so it's almost like, you know, how tragic it would be to turn that womb into a tomb mm. for the Holocaust and the or Holy of Holies into a Holocaust. So anyways, let's move on and not hamper that too much. But okay. yeah. Um, verses 18 through 22. Let's unpack the name of Isaac. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and, mul and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at, by this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. So um, the first baby in the Bible who was named before birth was Ishmael, yep. and the second was Isaac. Yep. As we see when we get to Genesis 21, these two boys represent two different births. Ishmael, our first birth after the flesh, and Isaac, our second birth after the spirit. From a human point of view, we can understand why Abraham interceded for Ishmael. Ishmael was his son, and he loved him dearly. They had been together now for 13 years, and Ishmael was entering adulthood. My question is this. Was God going to waste all that Abraham invested in Ishmael? Was there not a future for him? After all, it wasn't Ishmael's fault. It was his parents' fault. Right. And so <clears throat> according to you know the custom, the firstborn is the one that carries that. And we see in the Bible that that's not always the case. We see that with Jacob and Esau. We see that here. Um, God's perfect will is going to be done right? Man in our flesh is going to mess things up, right? It doesn't throttle God from getting his perfect will done. He will find a way. If it's not through one generation, it'll be in the next generation, whatever that is. We see the same thing with Cain versus Abel. When Cain slew Abel, he chose Seth to carry that line in. So we see that throughout the Bible. Um, but from a spiritual fault, uh, um, position, uh, point of view, Ishmael could not replace Isaac or even re uh, be equal to him in the covenant plan of God. It was done in the flesh, not in the spirit. God had already promised to bless Ishmael in Genesis 16, 11, but the covenant blessings were not a part of Ishmael's heritage. Isaac alone was to be the heir of all things. There, there is a practical lesson here for all who seek to live by faith. When God is preparing a bright future for you, don't cling to the things of the past. Ishmael represents the past apart from God. Isaac rep represents the future with God. Ishmael symbolizes man's fleshly way, but Isaac was a miracle baby born by the power of God. Hmm. Ishmael brought dissension into the home. Isaac brought laughter and joy. If you have an Ishmael in your life, yield it to God. If you have, yeah, God has a perfect plan and what he plans is the best and may pain you to give up your cherished dreams, but God's way is always the right way. Ishmael did not get a new name because he represents the flesh and the flesh cannot be changed. Wow. So we, as people really need to understand and look at our own life after this message and, and ask ourselves, has God given me a new name? Has God transformed me by the renewing of my mind? If I'm living in the flesh, God can't give us a new name. But if we surrender our lives to him and we're called by him to do works greater than ourselves, 
then God's going to give you a new name. Abraham, he was Abram, the father, great, great, the great father. Then he became a multitude, the father of many nations. Um, Sarah was, we don't know what, but then she became princess, right? The father of kings and, and so on, or the mother of kings and so on. So God will change you. God will transform you. And so just ask yourself, am I, am I called by God to do a work greater than myself? And am I surrendered to him? Or am I still operating and walking in the flesh? If that's the case, then you, your name can't be changed. You're not a new creation. You are living in the old ways, and the old ways will pass away. And one day, the Bible says that you're going to have to give an account for that. And, and, and every knee will bow, every tongue confess, the Bible says, and that, that you will be asked, what did you do with my son? Did you surrender your life? And well, well, didn't, I pass, didn't I cast out demons and go to church and do all this stuff? And, and if you're not surrendered to God and know him intimately— and they'll be an obedient and living a blameless holy life that he was called Abraham to. God's going to look at you and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You might've done all of these things, but if you, if he looks at you and he says that, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so, well, you ask, well, what do I need to do to be saved? Well, you need to just confess your sins now and you need to stop living that old life. You need to tell God and say, God, I, I ask you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent of those sins. I I choose today to live for you to the rest of my life. I want a new name and I want to repent. And I believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I believe that you're God and I choose to live my life in obedience to you. And I know Abraham wasn't, uh, wasn't perfect. Sarah wasn't perfect. And I know I won't be perfect, but I believe of your, your mercy and your grace that you've given me. I believe that you will forgive my sins as far as the East is from the West, that I that the, all my sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, you will forgive if I believe in you. I accept that into my life. And I believe that I could, I, because of that, I will live with you for all eternity. And, and if that's you, the Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing with you. And the Bible is saying that they're, they're having a party in your name because you give your, gave your life to the Lord. And the Bible also wants you to go ahead and confess that. You don't keep that private. You confess that to the world. The Bible says, if you confess me before man, I too will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I too will deny you before my Father in heaven. You've been denying him too long. If you've given your life to the Lord and you were transformed and changed, God's going to give you a new name. Now go confess that to the world. Bob, how could they get a hold of That's us? That's so good, Pete. Yeah, if you've accepted this free gift of salvation, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can do that by reaching out to any of our social media sites, Facebook, X. Um, you can even go to our YouTube channel and uh, reach out to us there. And I also want to point you to our website. I think it's probably the easiest way to reach out. Just go to the riotpodcast.com. Go to the No God tab. Scroll to the bottom. There's a Contact Us page right there. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Tell us, about, tell us a little bit about your story. We would love to be able to rejoice and celebrate with you. Pete, again, what an amazing show. Uh, I Man, I hope this has really helped some people, whether they're listening to it as it was just released or somewhere down the road, and they're like, what's a Super Bowl? You yeah. know, that it's it's all good. That, one of the beauties of doing a podcast, right, is it's, it's out there forever and ever. So I pray that uh, if you've heard this message today and you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't know about this free gift of salvation, that man, you would not wait another moment to accept it. Mm. Amen. Be blessed, everyone. God bless you guys. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. 
see you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.